0: Hello and welcome to Loud and Clear, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of women in music. I am your host Olivia Adams and we are continuing on with week five of our music history series here on the podcast where we are doing some deep dives into the lives and music of some incredible composers. So far we've learned about the music of Florence Beatrice Price, Dana Suisse, Alexina Louis, Berta Alve de Souza, and, well, this week we are traveling down to South America to learn about the composer Teresa Carreño. Teresa Carreño lived from 1853 to 1917, and her style of music falls within what we would consider the Late Romantic Era, towards the end of the 19th century. The Romantic Era was characterized by... Romanticism. And this was a movement that happened within art, in literature, philosophy, music. It affected the outputs of many European countries, as well as countries that had been colonized by Europe. Tuning into our trusty encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Britannica says, and I quote, among the characteristic attitudes of Romanticism were the following. A deepened appreciation of the beauties of nature, a general exaltation of emotion over reason, and of the senses over intellect. A turning in upon the self and a heightened examination of human personality and its moods and mental possibilities. A preoccupation with the genius and the hero, and the exceptional figure in general, and a focus on his or her passions and the inner struggles. A new view of the artist as a supremely individual creator whose creative spirit is more important than strict adherence to formal rules and traditional procedures, an emphasis upon imagination as a gateway to transcendence, experience, and spiritual truth, an obsessive interest in folk culture, national and ethnic cultural origins, and, medieval era, and a predilection for the exotic, the remote, the mysterious, the weird, the occult, the monstrous, the diseased, and even the satanic. Okay, so now that we know what Romanticism is, back to learning about Teresa Carreño. Maria Teresa Gertúrez de Jesús Carreño García was born in Caracas, Venezuela. She was what we would consider today a child prodigy or a musical virtuoso on both the piano and as a soprano vocalist. So you can see how Teresa Carreño's rise to fame really fit well within the late Romantic era, because they were Obsessed with this idea of hero or the exceptional figure or the supreme individual. And so this was also the era of touring child prodigies and virtuosos of music and of the arts. And so we get the rise of the virtuoso pianist through uh, Liszt and Clara Schumann. And then we also get the rise of the touring child prodigy of which Teresa Carreño was one. Her nicknames from a very young age were the Valkyrie of the piano, the Empress of the piano, the Queen of the piano. And like many virtuoso pianists, she toured from a very young age. She was born into a very prominent and musical family. Her grandfather, Caetano Carreño, was an important Venezuelan composer who wrote many famous patriotic songs. Teresa's father, Manuel Antonio Carreño, was the Venezuelan Minister of Finance and a musician. And Teresa's mother was the niece of Simone Bolivar, who was considered a national hero. Teresa began lessons with her father, Manuel, at the age of six. She was the middle child in a family of five children, with two of her siblings dying as infants. She had an older sister, Maria Amelie and a younger brother, Manuel Antonio. Her parents knew that Teresa had musical talent as a young child, and they discovered this when at the age of three, she would get out of bed sneak into the drawing room, climb up on the piano, and pick out chords and tunes that she had heard before. At the age of six, she began formal lessons. Her father was in charge of her musical education, and he wrote more than 500 piano exercises for her that included rigorous technical practice of scales and trills and arpeggios and broken chords. And it is noted that she had to do all 500 of these in a different key every day. So I guess we know that this is how she became known as the Valkyrie of the piano. I think that my students maybe never have the right to complain about how much technique I give them because I don't make them do 500 exercises every single day. July of 1862, after her father lost his job as the minister of finance and the country was in political upheaval due to the federal war, the Carreño family fled to the United States. The family fled on a boat and arrived in New York City in August of 1962. Similar to the young life of Dana Suisse. Teresa Carreño's performing career became the main source of income for the Carreño family. Her first concert took place in Irving Hall, New York City. And due to the immense success of this concert, it led to a tour of the United States where she played for many famous people and sold out audiences all over the country, including an invitation to the White House to play for President Lincoln. She even received an honorary medal from the Boston Philharmonic Society after her Boston concert. At the age of 13, in 1866, Carreño went on her first European tour, where she met and played for composers such as Saint-Saëns, Rossini, and Bellios. For a brief period, she even took voice lessons with Rossini. More about that later. The family then decided to stay in Paris for eight more years. Not only was Teresa a well-known pianist, but she was also an opera singer. In 1872, she grew tired of touring on the piano and decided to move to the UK, where she made her debut as the Queen in the Huguenots. The tale is told that the lead soprano became quite ill just four days before the show, and Colonel Mapleson, who worked at the theatre company in Edinburgh, knew that Carreño was in town and capable of singing the role of the Queen, and so he asked her to step in, having never sung publicly before, she went on stage as the queen in the Huguenots and sung to a sold-out audience. After that, she went on to work in Boston with an opera company, and she pursued opera for a few years of her life. So through this experience, Carreño's love of opera grew, and she met her first husband and had a daughter. After the couple's brief marriage and subsequent divorce, Carreño began to tour on the piano again and met her second husband, Giovanni Taglia-Pietra, an opera singer, and the two began to perform and fundraise to start an opera company in Venezuela. They were successful in their endeavors, but due to creative differences, the conductor left the company before the end of the operatic season. Teresa stepped in and conducted the remainder of the season. A side note here, learning about Teresa Crenio's life makes me realize that musicians have stepped into roles and subsequently stumbled into careers for a very, very long time. No one to sing the lead, ah, Teresa can step in. We started an opera company, but our conductor left in a huff. Teresa can step in. Back when we had Jana Saylor come on the podcast, she said that she fell into conducting on accident when she was the manager for the Vancouver Youth Orchestra and the conductor had to leave. She stepped in for a couple weeks while they were planning on looking for a new conductor, and she was so good at it that she stayed. Now, Jana Saylor is a decorated and highly acclaimed conductor. I think back to our episode just a few weeks ago on Alexina Louis, that due to an injury, she had to stop playing the piano and began to compose. And now she is one of the most decorated Canadian composers alive today. Patrick Anderson, a Paralympian and a pianist, says you don't hit dead ends, only forks. And sometimes these forks lead us down a path that we would have never imagined possible. Now, I don't want to think of this in the really kitschy, you know, there are no setbacks, just setups. Of course, terrible things happen in life, and it does not always go as we planned. But because of her preparation because of Teresa Carreño's preparation as a musician, the ability to sight read, the ability to sing. She honed her craft as a conductor. She honed her craft as a singer before she hit the stage. Alexina Louie honed her craft as a composer before she got famous. Jana Saylor honed her craft and was ready to take the podium when there was a space to fill. So the thing that I notice about these artists that we've just mentioned and talked about is that it wasn't that they didn't experience hard things happening in their lives, but what they did is they honed their craft and they were ready for that opportunity when it presented itself. And so that is just my, that's my little soapbox moment on being ready for the opportunity to present itself. Hone your craft. Okay, let's get back. So Teresa as a composer, she was not only a very fine pianist, but she was also a very fine composer. She began to compose repertoire at the age of eight. And at the time we have records of her writing, eight waltzes, a mazurka, three dances, two polkas, and three capriccios, all before she left for the United States. Her opus one piano piece was titled Gottschalk, a waltz in A-flat major, and she composed this at the age of 10. The waltz is named after American composer Louis Gottschalk. Carreño's touring and playing when she got to the United States caught the attention of Gottschalk, with whom she got to take lessons with for a short while after they had docked in New York City. Carreño found his music so inspiring that she wrote him this piece as a thank you. Over the course of her life, Carreño composed nearly 70 piano solo works, several pieces for voice and piano, choir, orchestra, as well as chamber music. And she wrote the majority of this music between the ages of seven and 22, which I find to be absolutely incredible. And then she sporadically wrote throughout the rest of her life. Something I found quite interesting about the career of Carreño is that she was characterized as having, and I quote, a male head, male fingers, and a female heart. What this means, I am not entirely sure, but apparently intellectual genius and excellent piano playing can only be associated with men. Just to be clear, Carreño was her own sort of genius, although it was noted that she had incredibly big hands. Teresa's life, though she achieved career success at an incredibly young age, was also filled with much tumult and turmoil. She lost siblings, she lost children, with five of her children surviving. She married four times, with her last marriage to Arturo Teglia Pietra being her most happy and longest lasting. She died at the age of 63 due to illness and had suffered paralysis later in her life. Despite her tumultuous personal life, she was an incredibly supportive mother and close with her children, her daughter Teresita following in her footsteps as a career pianist, recording many of her mother's works. She was noted as a loving teacher and devoted friend, She is remembered as one of the greatest pianists which again earned her the nicknames of the queen of the piano the valkyrie of the piano and the empress of the piano in the media her ashes were buried in caracas venezuela her hometown And the cultural complex in Caracas is named after her, which is the main performance hall for the Venezuelan Symphony Orchestra. A documentary directed by Andrena Gomez on the life and music of Teresa Carreño, titled Teresita and the Piano, was released in 2017, and I have linked to the preview to that documentary in the show notes. A tribute to her life was published on June 23, 1917 in Musical America by Professor Anne Spatcher, who writes... She was an opal of musicians, all fire and pearl, and she had a contagious alchemy in her soul that turned every emotion into loveliness and rapture. As an artist, she was a master woman, full of inspired energy and triumphant, majestic purpose. She was truly a Valkyr among pianists. Above all things, she was an initiated and consecrated soul. In the face of Carreño's superb accomplishments, I feel that it would be ungrateful in us to meet here solely to mourn. She left us all the richer by the inspiration the example, and the high nobility of her life. End quote. So before we go, I also want to cover a few resources that you might find interesting. And these are resources for you to use in your music classroom, in your music studio, or just for your own personal interest. The first is that you can go and listen to recordings of Teresa Carreño playing the music of Chopin, Liszt, Beethoven, and even her own compositions if you Google the Caswell Collection. These were from piano roll recordings from player pianos for Welt & in April of 1905. So she played these when she was 52 years old. Her album is the sixth volume in the Caswell Collection, and it's titled simply Teresa Carreño. She was one of the first to start to record on the player pianos, and that is how we have recordings of this brilliant pianist. Next is that if you teach young students, either privately or you're a school music teacher or music for young children, group class teacher, any of the above, you might enjoy adding the book Dancing Hands by Margarita Engel, illustrated by Rafael Lopez. The book is about how Teresa Crenio became an international sensation and also about how the music helped her process difficult emotions. And this is just a really, really beautiful book. I know my students enjoy checking it out of my studio library. And also, if you think you would like to play Teresa Crenia's music, I encourage you to check out a few places. She wrote music not just for accomplished pianists, but also for children as teaching pieces. A few places you can find her music are on IMSLP. And if you check there, I encourage you to subscribe to Piano Music She Wrote's categorized IMSLP database of women composers, piano music by women composers, to find out more information about the pieces you are looking for and links to good public domain editions. Erica Sipes and Sandra Mogensen have done an incredible job over there. And so I encourage you to check that out. The link is down below in the show notes. You can also find her collections through the Hildegard Publishing Company under Music for Piano, as well as her collection of Piano Pieces for Children published through Barnes & Noble's Press. Lastly, and this resource is for all my classroom music teachers, if you go onto the website squiltmusic.com, which stands for Super Quiet Uninterrupted Listening Time, there is an Excellent resource on Teresa Carreño that I will link down below in the show notes, which breaks down in child friendly language the life and music of Teresa Carreño. It also gives a curated playlist of music listenings and questions to answer and talk about with your students, as well as links to other classroom friendly resources around the music of Teresa Carreño and composers from South America. I highly recommend that you check out that resource. It's an amazing resource and it's online for free. Okay, I think that is going to have to do it for this week's episode on Loud and Clear. I hope that you are enjoying this series and you're learning more about these incredible composers. I know that I'm enjoying creating them for you. And also really enjoying going deeper into the lives and music of these amazing composers so remember to share some love and support for the podcast by please liking and subscribing to our podcast the subscriptions really help us out and make sure that you never miss an episode please leave us a five-star rating and written review if you are enjoying this series and want to continue to support the work that we do all right well my name is olivia adams this is loud and clear and you can find me at oa music studios in online spaces. Thanks for tuning in this week. We are closing our episode with a recording of Teresa Carreño playing her own piece, Mi Teresita, a little waltz, which was written for Teresa's daughter Teresita when she began to take her first steps. Here it is. Enjoy.